All right, and welcome to this episode of Ages and Cheese with Four Beats and Benji. On this episode, we're going to be talking about a little team called VP. VP, one of the probably the CIS team with the most storied history in Dota, besides maybe Navi. Certainly in recent years, VP has been a, a force to be reckoned with in whatever iteration they're in. But this VP is a little different because it, it's probably the most different roster of the uh, VP stacks. Like, it, it, there's no carryover from any players from previous VPs. Am I correct in that, Benji? Uh, I would say so. There's no carryover from sort of like what people call like the golden era of VP, which was like solo Ramses, no one, that kind of stack. There's no carryover from there. But some of these players have been on VP towards like the end of 2019, early 2020. But then again, that was when VP were going through like a like an identity the identity change from like this super you know solid squad that had been together for years and then trying to find a new squad um and they're sort of cycling a lot of players in and they finally have landed on this iteration which uh, seems to be working out pretty well for them so far well who is this new iteration uh let's go through the players yeah okay so first of all we have in the carry position nightfall also you may know him as previously previously known as epileptic epileptic kid uh, he was a sort of kind of high MMR player, high MMR player that was picked up by VP um, on a trial basis towards the end of 2019. Became a permanent member early in 2020 and then went inactive for a bit. Then joined the Virtus Pro Prodigy squad, which we'll be talking a lot about uh, because it was sort of the genesis for this roster, if it, as you will. On uh, I believe that was April 1st, 2020, and has sort of. Had a lot of success with this VPP roster and then moved to the main Vertispro roster where he is today. Um, signature heroes for him. Uh, Faces Void is a big one for him. Also PL. And then he also plays um, an Ember. I would say there's probably his three best heroes. Well, not necessarily best, but he's sort of the heroes that he's most comfortable and he's most known for. Um, but he's a pretty, I would say, a pretty standard carry uh, in the sort of. Uh, when you look at all carries, he's kind of one that just gets the job done you know there's nothing really too different or special about him it's just kind of a you you, you kind of know what you're getting from nightfall so on the two position you have uh gpk from the mid lane um who if you're unfamiliar with vp vp uh you would probably know gpk the most um given that he's the highest mmr player in europe um he's also known for his short time on vega squadron and slightly longer time on gambit uh before he joined Virtus Pro uh, Prodigy in November. Um, he kind of, uh, on both of these teams, performed decently. I mean, they won a couple qualifiers, but never really any uh, big tournament wins or accolades. Um, but he's, he's, he's been around. Uh, he's more known for playing like these Invokers, these Kunkas, these like space-creating mids. Um, he's not going to like carry the game from the mid lane or anything. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a nice sort of um, thing that Nightfall and GPK have got coming together. You know, Nightfall kind of does his job, carries the game, and GPK um, creates the space in the early game to give Nightfall, you know, if he's playing this PA, this PL, kind of late game heroes, just to give him a bit of time to um, farm up. And that's actually something that VP, I think, are, this current VP roster have been so impressive is that just their synergy with each other has been so on point during... Well, I'll say during the DPC, but we'll get onto their international performance in a bit. But 
moving on then, we have DM, who is the offlaner for this team. And uh, I'd say he's probably the most interesting of these players, sort of where they come from. Uh, much like um, GBK, he also competed on some CIS stacks, like uh, Vega, Windstrike, Action City, and also Hellraisers, where I, it is where he sort of came into my vision as um, as a player, I'm sure. Probably similar for other people. Um, something people may not know, or may know, I'm not sure, that he also competed on Chaos Esports towards the end of uh, 2019, I think. Played in the, uh, the, I think it was the Dream League Major. It, he definitely got his first major experience with Chaos Esports, and that was when Chaos Esports was um, pretty much the lineup of Quincy Crew. Uh, that was when they sort of didn't have an offlaner, were looking for one, and DM filled that role for them for a bit, but didn't work out. And now he's back in CIS and obviously playing for this Virtus Pro stack. And he was one of the ones that formed that initial Virtus Pro Prodigy uh, lineup in April of 2020. Uh, for him, yeah, yeah. For, for him, the main hero I would say is his Timbersaw. And we'll get into some of the stats on DM's Timbersaw because it's quite an interesting uh, study. But um, he also plays a lot of the typical offlane heroes. Yeah, Mars Centaur, these tanky blink initiators, I would say. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, moving on to save on the four, um, similar to Nightfall, uh, both played on VP for similar periods of time, although save did not have um, the, he, he, I mean, save did have some prior experience with Fly to the Moon, um, Fly to Moon before this, uh, you know, kind of, Fly to Moon has been like this, uh, a, a name used by a couple different um, CIS stacks, uh, similar to how in NA you have like, you know, sad boys who a couple different teams pick up. It's you know, it's it, it's it, a name that gets run through a couple times. Yeah, like um, a, you you can often look to that team and sort of um, see who are the players who are just sort of on the precipice of, uh, you know, getting into one of these big CIS teams like VP and Navi. You know, a lot of them come to um, stacks like Flight and Moon beforehand, where they sort of compete in some uh, events and make their name per se, uh, but. Save, yeah, captain of this team. Um, a lot of people are probably known for his... I would say Lion's probably his best hero. That's one that he um, can really play very well. Uh, I'm not sure many other players who... I, I would get, say similar to... Um, who's the... Oh, the Chinese but Kaka's Lion um, is also very good, but those two are the ones that I think are probably the best Lion players in the whole world, for, for my money at least. Uh, but yeah, Save, another very high MMR player. There's kind of a theme with these... VP yeah. um, VP Russell, very high MMR players, and also very young players, um, which we'll also get into a bit later. Uh, and then, yeah, go ahead. also a fair bit of trivia. I wonder if you if you know this. Uh, he is the only uh, professional player from this country. Hmm. I would imagine it's a. I would imagine it is an Eastern European country, right? Yeah, it's in Eastern Europe. I don't know. I can't think because I'm I'm thinking of I'm running through Eastern European countries in my head, and I'm thinking, oh no, there's a player from there, a player from there. Very Not small sure. one. Mm, go on, tell me what is it? Uh, Moldova. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then finally, in five position, uh, I believe Save is the captain, but uh, five position Kingslayer. You may know him as Ilias before, uh, but I would say that he is. I mean. He's not very experienced, but he is the most experienced on the roster. He's been around um, since mm, 
2017 is a little bit murky on whether he played for you know stacks that were actually competing in high level events, but he has been around the scene since about then. Uh, been on to some random CIS stacks like most of these players, and uh, but part so you know different from all these players, he actually was on Na'Vi for quite a long time from about late 2019 to late 2020, and then also came into this um, VPP squad at a similar time to GPK. So that was about November in 2020, just before they were signed by um, the main VP team. So there's a little bit of Na'Vi on this team. A little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's kind of, uh, let's get into the story of their season um, and what we think they are, the prospects are going to be going forward. Um, as we kind of said, VP, it's an org, has a lot of prestige behind it. Um, it's won many tournaments. It's uh it's one you know it's one majors uh am i correct i i always i can never remember vp did in fact win a major right they didn't just get second place in a bunch of them uh vp won five majors in total yeah that's what i okay there, I, I i i thought so i just wanted to be sure in case i sounded like an idiot i was like i know vp was a finalist in a ton of majors but yeah this um this is the squad it's because they there's that true site where they uh they get second, and they're very mm, disappointed. The, the it, it makes it shadows. Yeah, it it makes me think that they're the. Uh, uh, but yeah, they they've won quite a bit of majors. Um, yeah, I think particularly with that that solo Ramses no one stack is where they start to really have success. Like they've been around for quite a while. They've been to like um, as an organization, they've been around for like I think since since like twenty twelve um, and had like a lot of different CIS players come in and out. Like. Um, People remember like people like G and uh, other players. <laughs> no one else is coming to mind right now. But it was a, a team that you know, players would cycle in and out of, but never really found success until um, you know, Solo, Ramsey's no one, and then also uh, who the other players on the team? Pasha, Lil, and then Roger as well um, towards the back end of their time. Uh, but the important thing about that team may have won five majors. Uh, never did very well at TI. Uh, their best finish was 5th, 6th, and they always sort of came into TI as these favourites. You know, they'd done really well in the GPC season, and then they couldn't really put it all together. And this will be a um, story for a lot of teams, I think. It's just that really solid during, you know, majors during the season and other events, but when it gets to TI, can never quite get it done. But, of course, this is a new team. That's sort of just talking about the organization's reputation as a whole yeah and and this is as we'll get to this is a team that is kind of seen an opposite road uh mm, that's true maybe they'll be the ones who finally perform at ti yeah so um so where do these guys come from yeah so we talked about the solo ramses no one stack um so that team sort of stuck around till ti9 when they had a particularly disappointing finish um ninth 12th got knocked out you know starting in the upper bracket and then lost two consecutive series. Ninth Twelfth really disappointing performance and that was sort of the, the death knell for this team. Essentially, you know, Ramsey's Pasha and Roger all left and VP kind of went through um an identity crisis where they didn't really have their solid team that they'd had for like three or four years at that point. They cycled through a lot of players, you know, trying to find something that stuck and they went through a bit of a bit of a barren period. They did have one uh, result in this time, which was the first place at ESO one LA in April 2020. But um, apart from that, it was uh, pretty dysfunctional, I'd say, in the main VP roster. But 
there was another VP team at this sort of point in time that was starting to take shape, and that was VP Prodigy, as we mentioned before. Formed April 1st, 2020, and their initial lineup was Epikid, now known as Nightfall, DM, Save, and Ina and FN, who you may know from um, other CIS teams in the DPC. And throughout the year, they... No, even though they're the VP Prodigy team, so it's supposed to be like the youth team, they do really well in international tournaments. Um, this was sort of around when EU and CIS were put together, basically, to um, to have loads of tournaments, and they did really well. They finished second at Pushka League, um, where they finished ahead of the main VP roster. And this was kind of the the turning point where everyone thought, okay, maybe you know this, this team is actually not just a youth team, and it's actually a, a team to be reckoned with in the EU-CIS sort of scene. Um, yeah, finished second at Pushka League, ahead of VP, and behind only Secret. And that was when Secret were going through this sort of... I think they won eight tournaments in a row, um, and just looking completely dominant over everyone. So, pretty big result for VPP. And in they sort of continue the season, get more and more good results. And then in November, as we mentioned, they are transferred to the main VP roster with two roster changes, which is, um, as we mentioned, Kingslayer coming in for... Ina in the five position and GPK coming in for FN in mid. Another interesting bit of trivia. I think that this is the second time that a VP uh, secondary stack has outperformed their primary stack. Um, back when VP Polar existed, mm, yeah, uh, before it was rebranded as P- VP Prodigy, uh, I believe uh, it may have been. I can't remember if it was Illidan's team or, um, no, it was FNG's team, I'm pretty sure, was on VP Fuller, and they outperformed, um, at a, at a major land, they, they outperformed the, uh, primary VP stack. That's interesting. So, so this kind of has precedence, um, VP youth, well, I say youth team, but an alternate VP team sort of outperforming the... Yeah, the main stack is interesting. Yeah, at that time, I mean, it would have been, it wouldn't have been like a uh, prospect stack. It would have been more of like a here's a here's a, a five like also good players. We just want to pick up like another team. Yeah, for sure. Because um, there weren't as many orgs at the time, mm-hmm. but still interesting. Um, yeah. In their in their first tournament under the Virtus Pro banner, the team participates in um, Epic League season two. Um, and this is, you know, still during that period where Europe and CIS are just kind of playing in tournaments against each other all the time. Um, and there's a lot of really good teams at this tournament. There's uh, uh, some of the best in Europe and obviously the best in CIS. And, uh, you know, VP comes out on top and they, they knock out uh, OG in the grand finals and take home their first first place finish under the Virtus Pro uh, banner. Mm-hmm. And that was... Uh... A big win for them. Um, obviously, people knew that this this sort of roster was really good, but this was, I think, um, I don't know, I guess sort of a statement that uh, VP as an org is sort of back, and it's this you know, a group of players that didn't really have much experience on um, either big teams or on LAN at all. I think DM's the only one that's... I mean, maybe GBK, but um, you know, a lot of these players have never played LAN before, and it was sort of this, like, right, Virtus Pro can beat, um, you know, all these teams. Like, uh, there was an RV who just 
sort of formed and were looking really good. There was Secret, who were just coming off this amazing run. You know, you had OG, um, Liquid, Nigma, you got all these teams, and VP came out on top. It was a real statement and a really big win for them, I think. Yeah, and then uh, after that, the season starts. And mm-hmm. how, did, how did they do in the season? Well, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of hard to talk about the season because there's really not much to talk about. VP just dominated everyone. Um, they uh, start off the season, they're looking really good against sort of, I didn't really like how CIS uh, sort of um, organized the season. It was kind of similar to NA in which the you had these top four teams and then the bottom four teams. There was a pretty clear divide between the two. And for the first half of the season, all you had was top four teams playing bottom four teams. And it led to this sort of limbo in the first few weeks where all the top teams were getting results against the bottom teams. And it was kind of like, well, yeah, we expected this. Um, But VP were really the only team to sort of continue that when they started facing up against um, Spirit and uh, who was the other team? It would be, um, I think it was Live to Win back then, who is now AS Monaco Gambit. Um, But yeah, so they go... Through all these teams, they're six and zero, and it's the big matchup them versus Navi. Both of these teams, I believe, were six and zero at the time, and this was like the last matchup of the season. Both teams had looked really good, and it gets to this big series that's hyped up, and everyone thinks, "Oh, it's going to be this amazing series." And VP trounced Navi two zero. Didn't even look close. Um, Navi tried some weird stuff just to try and uh, sort of do something different because VP were just this just mechanical. Um, you know, just take you apart limb by limb team. And they did the same to Na'Vi. Uh, it was like both 30-minute games. And uh, VP were one of the only teams to go 7-0 and in that first DBC season. And I think the they had the best record in maps. They went 14-1, and so they didn't drop one map. And that was to Team Spirit, uh, which will become interesting later on. But for now, just keep that in the back of your mind. But yeah, VP 7-0. and and it looks like they're continuing this form that they had in the EU CIS tournaments there. You know, just beating teams, um, you know, with, without even looking like their challenge at all. I think they had the shortest length games in CIS that season. And mm-hmm. their kill differential was something just absolutely crazy. They were just executing teams. Yeah, they, they, they looked like they were shot out of a cannon. And I think many people, myself included, expected them to carry this forward into the Singapore Major. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, unfortunately for them, uh, they were not able to. Um, they had a very disappointing Singapore Major. Um, and you could argue, I think this is one of the teams that was hurt the most by the way uh, seating was done for the tournament. Um, not being able to play in the group stage and being directly into the upper bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, if they had some momentum going into it, their performance wouldn't have been as bad. But also, uh, they had to go up against PSG LGD in the first round of the Singapore Major. Um, and uh, I don't need to tell you, PSG LGD is, is you know, they're, they're hot right now. They're considered the, <laughs> the favorites to take TI, so... Um, yeah, they were they were not able to do it. They get two owed um, pretty quickly. Uh, it doesn't look very close. Um, however, they so they get knocked down. They're able to kind of bounce back a little bit um, and take a uh, 
take a victory over Quincy Crew, who I was playing with a stand-in, um, but you know they still looked in decent form. Quincy Crew came through the group stage with a decent amount of wins, uh, so it certainly wasn't they, they weren't uh, any team to kind of look down upon um, or to underestimate. And you know VP, they they're able to win. Um, but then they get knocked out by the Executioner's Thunder Predator um, <laughs> and finish 7th, 8th. Yeah, uh, I think even though... I mean, 7th, 8th, when you say it, doesn't sound awful. But to be honest, this was a disaster of performance from VP. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Obviously, running into LGD in the first round of the upper bracket is not um, easy. Uh, it's an LGD, LGD team who had also come through the wild card, so you can imagine that they'd had a lot of time to get a good grasp on the meta, and they played a lot of games by that point. Um, but then their game against Quincy Crew, I mean, this was, as you said, a team playing with a stand-in, and um, in our Quincy Crew episode, we sort of documented all the struggles that um, they had with this tournament, and there were quite a lot. And this VP team, um, who's been dominating everyone, you know, doesn't take game one. They lose to a Quinn Io, which I didn't even know played. And then they just managed to sort of come back in games two and three to win. But it doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look like this is the VP team that was just, you know, trouncing teams in DPC. It looks like mm. a pretty pale imitation of that. And then, obviously, they get turned over by Thunder Predator. And you could say, oh, Thunder Predator were on a hot streak. Um, sure, they were. But it was also Thunder Predator who had been beaten 2-0 by Team Secret. And this was a VP team who had been very competitive with Team Secret in scrims and also in you know, EU CIS tournaments over sort of uh, the back half of 2020. So, I don't know. This was um, not the result that I expected from going into this major. I know that we both did a bit of a prediction and we had this team, um, I think, winning the whole thing. Uh, in our prediction yeah. bracket. Yeah, I mean, they looked hot. Um, but did, did they did they let this disappointing performance, uh, did it carry with them through the season? Or were they able to bounce back and um, show why they were that uh, the, the team they were in season one? Well, I think you know the answer to that. And um, they didn't let it define them. They come back in season two and... Uh, even more impressive, I would say, than their season one performance because um, they went seven and zero once again. Um, the only team that sort of gave them a bit of a run for their money, which was uh, different from last time, was Spirit. Spirit managed to take a game off them. Maybe that game three looked like it was going Spirit's way for a bit, but VP eventually able to claw it back. Um, and I think another team also took a game off them, which was. Uh, not totally Gambit. sure. Gambit, that's right, yeah. Um, that series, but didn't look as close as the Spirit one. That was sort of like, Gambit got a game, and then VP sort of shut it down in Game 3. Uh, but even more impressive is that, apparently, according to the VP players, and you can take this with a grain of salt if you'd like, they were just sort of picking whatever heroes they felt like, because the DPC was so easy for them. They were focusing so much on scrims, and playing these, you know, top tier European teams and then when it came to you know the one DPC game they had to play a week they would just pick you know Husk or Jungle or something like that and then win with it um, so I think mm-hmm. season 2 for me was arguably more impressive uh, than season 1 even though you had Spirit who were becoming um, a real force in CIS and you had 
AS Monaco Gambit, who were really looking like a good team. Um, but again, 7-0 for VP. They are the only team in DPC to win both of their... Um, both of their... They, they're the only team in the DPC to have two seasons of going 7-0. And I think they yeah. were the only team in this... Correct me if I'm wrong. The, the only team in the second season to go 7-0. I don't think any other... Um, I'm gonna that. I'm gonna fact check that real quick, but sure. I believe you're correct. I think I'm correct, but yeah, going seven and zero, they went fourteen and two this time, which is obviously not quite fourteen and one, but still very impressive. And apparently, not even focusing that much on the TPC games shows you how good this VP team is. Um, oh, do we have yeah, a check? Yeah, uh, they, we they we missed a really team. obvious one. Um, Quincy Crew. Seven oh yeah, of course, yeah. But I think there were three in the first season, and only two teams in the second season. So, and then obviously you've got yeah. VP, VP being the only team to be that twice. Yeah, and uh, I mean Quincy Crew's matches were, I, I would argue, probably a bit closer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. No other team um, in either of the seasons exhibits exhibited the type of dominance that VP did in both of theirs. I would say. Mm. Yeah, I I would say that's fair. Okay, so it beats um, VP. They go seven and zero again. Surely they must. Surely at this major, they just crush everyone, right? They've learned from the Singapore major. They're going to be incredible. They're going to just beat everyone, right? Well, um, <laughs> it doesn't quite pan out the way that I think many were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a team um, that. Like like I said earlier, was maybe hurt by the format a little bit, but at at, at a certain point, you do have to start to um, put some fault on them. And you also asking some uh, questions, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, and their performance at the Animator almost mirrors their performance at the Singapore Major. Um, they get knocked down in the first round. Um, they didn't manage to win a single series, so they get knocked down um, by Nigma, correct? Um, yes. And then another, another they, wildcard team. Uh, yes, and uh, to Singapore. Then taken out by Vici Gaming, who I want to point out, Vici Gaming had a pretty good run um, in the tournament. Yes. So I mean, it was it was uh, a hard first match against a wildcard team, but it is Nigma. I mean, it's it's they're no slouch. And then um, Fichi Gaming, who ends up going pretty far in the tournament. So um, it certainly wasn't easy for them. But I, if you look at that entire, at the Animator was stacked. I mean, you look at that bracket, there was no team I think they would have wanted to go up against. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's the point that if you, know, if you are going to succeed, um, like we can make all the, tr- all the excuses that we want that like, oh, well, they play against really good teams. You know, if you want to do well at TI, you are going to have to beat good teams. Um, and they have not shown an ability to do that yet. <laughs> um, certainly on an international stage, um, they have shown that they're able to do that in EU and CIS tournaments online, and also DPC, which is also online. But offline against international t- teams, they just have not shown it. Um, I think that's been the real the story of VP. It's that they've been, you know, they've dominated teams online and within their region. Does that translate to international teams on land and so far it's been a resounding no <laughs> because the two major performances you know maybe you could have said after Singapore 
well, yeah, there are a lot of mitigating factors, you know, COVID and they came into the playoff stage directly and, you know, they had to play LGD. But when you get this happening twice in a row, it becomes to, it starts to become, right, you know, what is the reason for this team um, being just not able to perform at these events? Would you say that, um, so they were playing pretty loose in the season, you know, Mm -hmm. making random hero picks. But if you look at their two games in the Animator, they're playing very on meta and they're they're trying to replicate these these strats that other teams have been pulling out. It makes me wonder, like, had this team, you know, tried to go into the majors with the same loose mentality that they had in the season if they would have um, performed significantly better? Well, I think them trying to sort of be quite on meta at the Animator is more of a direct response to how they performed at the Singapore Major. Because uh, the, one of the biggest criticisms about VP at the Singapore Major is that they were playing, they were playing very um, away from the meta. They were playing sort of these things that had worked for them during DPC season, and then just no one was playing them. Like uh, they played Bounty um, on DM at the Singapore Major. It's like no one was playing Bounty Core. I mean, no one now is playing Bounty Core, um, but sort of that was reminiscent of a larger issue that was just they didn't really adapt to what the meta was. And I think that they tried to do that the Animator and obviously that didn't work. I'm not saying that that's sort of, that they should go back to um, what they were comfortable with, but maybe it's in, an indication that that wasn't the problem. It's more of a problem with um, the players not being able to perform. So are they able to bounce back after the Animator? Is there uh, is there a redemption for this team? Well, I think ESL 1 Summer will be, was the closest sort of, they could come to a redemption leading up to TI. And um, also, they will be in the ESL 1 Fall event, so that's another opportunity for them to sort of redeem themselves against um, quite an international lineup in that tournament. But ESL 1 Summer, they had pretty good performance. Um, they made it all the way to grand final, going all the way through the upper bracket, and um, went 2-1 up on T1 in the grand final, Unfortunately, they threw away that lead and uh, lost 3-2. But second place at ESL 1 Summer, pretty good result, I would say, for VP. Although, you have to consider that this was, first of all, an online tournament and a tournament with majority EU CIS teams in it. Yeah, I mean, that does seem to be the, the story of VP, is that, you know, maybe one of the best online teams in the world right now, but when it comes to an on LAN event suddenly it seems to all fall apart uh, and granted we've only had two we've only had two uh major land events this year um so we don't have a huge sample size we certainly have a much larger sample size of online tournaments than we do on land tournaments so you know there i i still think that there's hope for this team um the potential is obviously there they just got to uh figure out how to either calm the nerves or um you know, figure out what what they need to do to make it work mm-hmm. at these uh, at TI. Yeah, I mean, we we mentioned that this team is, um, we mentioned earlier this team is really young, and they are. They're very inexperienced. They're very young, um, and perhaps that's a that's the issue. They just don't really have experience on land events, um, and hopefully, the two experiences at Singapore and at Kiev will have sort of. Uh, perhaps help them you know we don't know um but this team is uh 
a pretty tight-knit group, I would say. Um, for example, I know that uh, they used to, even before they became the VPP roster, they were party-queuing as five, um, just in pubs. Like, they would just stack up as five and play together because they're very good friends and they like playing together. Um, and that's sort of, I think, where a lot of their synergy comes from, is that they're very good friends with each other and they play very well together. They also don't have a coach, um, I would also add. So perhaps that's contributing to their sort of lack of success on land, you know, not having a coach to say, maybe we should pick this, or maybe that's not such a good idea right now. Um, I'm not sure. There are a number of things it could be, uh, and I just hope that this team can perform at TI, because when they're on their game, they're one of the best in the world for my money, and they haven't been able to show it yet. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I think the story of VP is tons of potential, but we just haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully at TI, we will we will see a spark. We will see that something that kind of, you know, lights them up a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, that's going to that's gonna do it for this segment. Um, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back with segment two of the uh, VP story. We're going to go through some stats and some... Um, hero picks, you know, some fun stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right, and we're back with the second segment here. We're going to be going through some fun and interesting stats and uh, picks and kind of framing uh, what makes VP VP right now um, in a, from a statistical perspective. So, uh, Benji, are there any, like, fun nuggets uh, of information to for the any fun nuggets of information for this team I couldn't get that out so I think in general um, we talked a lot about sort of their performance um, domestically against or against sort of their performance against international teams uh, got their record here against since this VPP squad was signed by VP um, they are 36 and 10 against teams from EU and CIS they are 7-11 and 11 against teams from um, other regions, which is a pretty noticeable shift. I don't have the percentage win rates in front of me, but from 36-10, and 10, which is kind of a domination of um, domestic teams to a losing record against international teams, that sort of paints a um, pretty poor picture about how they've been able to perform. And 7-11, and 11, most of those wins are actually against uh, T1 in the ESL1 summer, so... If they were not included, I'm sure this record would be a bit worse. I wonder how much of that has to do with like uh, just scrim partners that you might have access to in CIS versus other regions. Like you look at a team like the old VP, uh, if they didn't have as many scrim partners, then there's also the uh, kind of possibility that they had experience to kind of uh, at, at international events for such a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this team is younger. Uh, and probably being in CIS, you're a little isolated. You can play against Western European teams, but you can't really play against Chinese teams. Um, you can't really play against Southeast Asian teams. You know, you look at NA and you think it's like a, a similarly like kind of isolated region, but NA teams can scrim against Western Europe teams and they can scrim against South, I mean, South American teams. So there's, um, you know, a bit more options, a bit more options there, even for like younger staff. So I wonder how much that has affected them, um, if at all. Yeah, it's, it's something we've talked about at length, I think, especially after the Singapore Major and just the sort of um, all-around failure of EU and CIS teams at that event. Just um, 
screaming amongst each other and having the wrong idea, or, or maybe not the wrong idea, but a different idea of how the meta is, and then sort of coming up against these SA teams, these SEA teams, and these Chinese teams, who um, sort of the style that you'd established doesn't work very well against. Uh, and I think that was potentially something you can say for VP at the Singapore Major. However, at the Annie Major, you know, you had a team like Nigma who made a great run in that tournament. And clearly that was a team that um, could only scrim against EU and CIS teams. So I think there is an element of that, um, but I don't think it's sort of the whole story, if that makes sense. So let's get into the Singapore Major. Uh, I will just say, first of all, that VP only played seven games at this uh, tournament. So team uh, statistics and statistics sort of over the whole tournament may not be as accurate just because it's a kind of a small sample size. Anyway, one one player that I kind of want to pick out, and I don't want to say that he's terrible or anything, but DM. So he had the third lowest KDA amongst all calls at the event um, at 1.86. that's bad. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it other than yeah. I, I like you have in the you have in the the notes here. This is like really it is. Bad. It's very it's very very bad. Um, and also uh, DM third lowest GPM and hero damage amongst all cores of the event. So maybe it's an issue of they're not getting him enough farm. You know he's not um, he's being a bit more sacrificial, and as a result, he can't really have that much impact. That's not really the case. He had the second most last hits at 10 minutes amongst all offlaners. So all offlaners in the competition, he's the second most farmed at 10 minutes, essentially. Um, so that kind of paints a picture for us that he's getting this farm. He's getting quite a lot of sort of... Uh, he's getting a good proportion of the farm from his team in the sort of laning phase, early mid-game, and he's not translating that into kills and assists. So... You know, we look at maybe why is that the case? Well, we talked about the Timbersaw earlier for DM. It was banned against him in every single game at the Singapore Major in the first phase. That's interesting, right? That's these teams targeting DM and saying, right, what's his best hero? Timbersaw. And in every single team they play, having the same idea to ban it first phase. And as a result, you have DM, as we've said before, getting farm at 10 minutes and not being able to turn it into anything productive. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I would, I don't know if I would say he's the best player uh, on the team, like, from a, from an outsider's perspective, but um, he's certainly one of the ones that I would want to shut down, and certainly one of the ones, given he's a little more vulnerable as an offlaner, that it might be a little easier to. Yeah, I, I really like the M as a player, and he just didn't perform at this tournament. Um, Timbersaw, I think, has been sort of a, uh, or not being able to have a Timbersaw has been a bit of a pain point for VP over their entire season. For example... Uh, I've got DM's KD ratio here when he's playing Timbersaw this is since the squad was moved to the main VP team same time frame as um, the stat before so since they moved to the main VP team DM's DM's KD ratio on Timbersaw 5.35 kills to 1.95 deaths that's pretty good um, that's uh, I would say above average and his KD ratio on all other heroes is 3.38 kills to 3.62 deaths so when he's playing Timbersaw Pretty good KD ratio, 5.35 to 1.95. And when he plays all other heroes, he is dying more than he's getting kills. Which, uh, again, maybe this team is, or maybe not so much the team, but DM is sort of relying on this hero to be, uh, you know, a bit 
a bit too much of a... Uh, I know what to call it. I say... Mm, maybe something that he's leaning on a little bit too much, and when it gets taken out, as it was in Singapore Major, his performance drops greatly. This is... Um... This is a stat that I would like to see. You you have a kind of I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but you have ten of uh, the fourteen first phase bans used against VP were offlaners. This is a really interesting stat to me because um, I really wonder. Uh, this would be really hard to aggregate, but um, in games where a spe- a specific position on a team is targeted with bans. Um, what is the win rate for the banning team? That would be really interesting. I, I guess it would be slightly difficult to sort of make that stat because, um, you know, we we talk about a lot in the game as it's played today. Flex is so important so that being able to take a hero and being able to play it on multiple roles is like um, so important for the top teams. So I think that would be kind of a difficult stat, but also quite interesting. Uh, I think... You've seen the meta shift a lot in certain patches where sometimes, right, we're banning out um, carries first phase because that's what people are doing. They're just first phase and they're carrying and then going on. Recently, we've seen that with mids as well. We've seen TA first phase a lot. And then that sort of develops into a meta where a lot of mids are being banned because you want to ban TA. Or um, maybe it's a patch where, you know, offlanes are it, like TR9, Ench, uh, first phase banned pretty much every game maybe it's an IA patch you know um, I think that would be really interesting I think it would have to be patch specific just because of how volatile the nature of first phase bands um, per position is but no yeah I think that's quite interesting an interesting idea yeah I, I just think Dota is such a it's such a team game mm-hmm. now um, I mean it always has been but even more so you need to be firing on all cylinders, like if you have one guy who has kind of a bad game, it, it could have like ruin your entire game. On top of that, it also gives the other team a game plan going into the game. It's like, hey, we're gonna make this guy's life hell. Um, I mean, it certainly worked against VP. Uh, there's, you know, we have empirical ed- evidence of it working. Okay, so Singapore Major, obviously we've got DM, perhaps not performing up to standard, but uh, other stats about VP, so they were the I'm putting in quotation marks, slowest team of the major, uh, and that is they averaged 0.98 kills plus deaths per minute. So that's kills plus deaths per minute is essentially um, how frequently you're taking fights um, as opposed to just farming or just playing the map. And VP were, in that sense, the slowest team at the major. Um, but I will sort of say that this is a common theme for most CIS teams. Uh, when you dive into the kills plus deaths per minute stat, it's often CIS teams who are right at the bottom because um, I know I think it's just a region-specific playstyle that um, not many skirmishes happen or not many fights happen within the first sort of 10-15 minutes. Sometimes you'll get to a CIS game in 15 minutes and it'll be like 3-2. So that's kind of a region-specific thing, but still something to um, something that's quite interesting. And uh, they also average 6.9 kills per 10 deaths. Um, at the Singapore Major, which is pretty bad. It's not the worst of the event. Um, I think T1 Enigma, um, who you'll also remember, I think went it just had awful performances in the wildcard. Um, they finished below, but uh, 6.9 kills per 10 deaths is not very good. You want to be either at 10 kills per 10 deaths or above that. That's where you want to be sitting. And 6.9, obviously not very good. 
I would uh, um, be interested also just to see like what the difference was between the season and what uh, the, but in the lands as well. Like I imagine the discrepancy between these stats is uh, ridiculously high. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't really get any stats for the season because I just thought, because um, essentially I took a look and it's just VP on top in every single stat category. And yeah, you, I you, mean, you don't really even need to. You can just yeah, exactly. yeah, you can just say yeah. But when you sort of see that, it's kind of like, um, well, there's no point in getting the stats for it because they're on top and everything. And uh, yeah, so I didn't really see much use in um, getting those stats. But uh, I can assure you that they were on top in pretty much everything. I think they had like 15 kills per 10 deaths. And the contrast to what they're doing. At the majors is quite stark, even though again only seven games played. So take it with, um, yeah, you know, take it with that in mind. Um, also with VP, they were bottom three in net worth in team net worth at eleven, twelve, and thirteen minute mark. Um, again, I think that's probably T1 Enigma as well down with them, but not good teams to be in the same ballpark as. <laughs> so bottom three in team net worth at eleven, twelve, thirteen minutes probably. I mean as you can probably guess, indicates a bit of a struggle with the lanes, even though we know that DM have the second most last hits at 10 minutes, so amongst offlaners, that is. So maybe it's uh, DM's getting a lot of farm, but GPK and Epikid are kind of suffering because of that. You know, It's kind of difficult to tell from these stats, but you see where you can start to sort of make these um, conclusions. But one thing for VP is they have the most assists per kill, and assists per kill is kind of a... It's, it's kind of an odd stat, but it can suggest that if you have a high assist per kill, that your team is playing together a lot, you're five-manning a lot. Um, and if you have low assist per kill, you're getting a lot of solo pickoffs and things like that. So this kind of shows that... I don't think this is really positive for VP. I think it sort of shows that they're losing these games, and the only way that they can find kills is if they take fights as five um, against maybe two heroes that they find, which is obviously not very good for farming, efficiency, things like that. It indicates that they don't have a lot of the map to work with. Yeah. And that they sort of... They have to go as five to do anything, and that's where sort of the kills come from. Um, so, yeah, not much positive there for VP, I'll be honest. Yeah. So so that's Singapore. Um, but what about a tournament where they maybe performed a little bit better? Sure. So I've, le- I've left out the... Um, the Animator, because they only played five games. And I thought seven games is kind of pushing it in terms of sample size. Five games is really too small. So I've left that one. We just know that they did they did poorly at the Animator too. Um, but ESL won Summer. This was a tournament that we mentioned before. They came second in. Um, and the news is a little bit better here. So we have, first of all, Nightfall, GPK, and DM. First, second, and sixth, respectively. So Nightfall first, GPK second, and DM sixth. In KDA at the tournament amongst all players. That's very good. Um shows that their cores are um, you know, producing a lot of kills, a lot of assists, and not dying as much. Uh, particularly DM, I want to highlight, we talked about his poor performance at the Singapore Major. In this tournament, he was first among offlaners for last years of 10 minutes, very similar to what he did at the Singapore Major. But the difference here is that he was able to convert into um, good impact in the game. So similar in last it's 10 minutes, but this time 6.69 KDA. Uh, which you compare to his 1.86. It's a you know two different worlds essentially, and um, also going back to Timbersaw, he went four and one on Timbersaw at this event. So teams were banning it against banning it against him, and he was picking it, and they were having success with it. Yeah, I mean that's good to see. It, it, I mean it shows that like 
you know, maybe this is the uh, uh, maybe not the, the the player you have to watch out for on this team, but he's certainly a player that if you shut him down, it's gonna really affect the team in a negative way. But if you let him um, kind of pop off, I mean, uh, the results kind of speak for themselves. For sure, absolutely. Um, and then VP as a team at this event, it's not just about the players. Obviously, as a team, they had 15.92 kills per 10 deaths. Compare that to 6.9 at the Singapore Major. Obviously, a world of difference there. And um, the next highest at the tournament was Alliance, who had 11.69. So, uh, VP just streets ahead of everyone else in that department. Uh, And then also, Nightfall was fourth in kills and first in fewest deaths. And Kingslayer and DM, fifth and sixth, respectively, in assists at the event. So, on the whole, from where they finished at the tournament and also the individual and team stats just a greatly improved performance at ESO on summer and that's definitely the kind of form that they'll be looking to take into TI um, as opposed to what they did at the international tournaments uh, so where do we think they could land themselves at TI I mean this is a one I think this is one of the hardest questions to answer for any of the teams just because their results are so varied um, but yeah, I mean, if you had to, if you had to place them in TI right now, where would it be? So I think I think VP may be the most difficult team to predict, um, at least so far about the teams that I've thought about where I'd place them for TI. They are the team that I've had the most the most difficulty with placing them because they've shown that they can be one of the best teams in the world. So obviously, you think, oh well, they could finish first, but at the same time, they haven't shown that they can. Um, get it done on the international set stage on LAN. So then you're thinking, I don't know, maybe they could crash and burn. For me, I prefer to err on the side of we haven't really seen them perform at a major LAN. And I would need to see that if I was going to predict them a very high finish. So I think I think I would say top four for VP is the best performance that they can come up with. You also got to remember that this is a very new team. Uh, no TI experience amongst them, I don't think. Yeah, that I think I would settle on top four. Do you have any sort of dissenting opinions there? So I think the big uh, barrier that I run into with Virtus Pro right now is China. Because um, it's a region that, in both cases that they've had a game uh, match against, they've, they've lost. It's a region that they can't scrim. Um, and... Uh, it's a region that has the most teams going to the event. So I, I don't know. I, I could see them performing pretty well in the group stage um, and uh, possibly even getting like an upper bracket seed after the group stage. Um, but I don't see them going th- through the bracket terribly easily unless they get a fairly lucky run through it. I'm not saying it's the potential isn't there. I'm saying that's not where I would... Uh, I, I don't think I would place them top four. I think I would place them maybe 7th, um, 8th. Um, that sounds that sounds pretty bad, but... I mean, I'm also I'm also saying that they would perform pretty well in the group stage. It just wouldn't... It wouldn't carry over. Yeah, 7th, 8th would be like a upper bracket berth in the group stage, a loss in the first round, a win in the lower bracket first round, and then uh, a loss in the next match. Which I think that's... Hmm. Do we want to compromise here and go for a fifth, sixth finish? 
I think, yeah, I, I, I would give them a fifth six as well. Because the other thing you have to think about is if they, so they lose the first round of the group, uh, the lower bracket. The second round of the lower bracket is going to be up against another lower bracket team and mm-hmm. not a team yeah. from the upper bracket. So, you know. That's true. I think it might give them a might give them an edge. Okay, cool. So that's it for Virtus Pro fifth, sixth, the best possible finish, and that is not the. I I don't know how we're calling this. I guess it would be the best possible finish, um, that we can see. It's kind of Reasonably, difficult. To, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to explain. Um, yeah, the the best, the best reasonable finish. I think we'll. We'll call it. Although, one thing I want to say about that is uh, just, I mean, I guess that uh, kind of naming convention is um, when you say best possible finish, that's actually, I think for me, a fairly low finish because there's lots of teams that I could see making the finals of this international in particular. Um, for sure. Compared to other international. It's a very open field. Yeah. Um, but but I think I, I'm feeling pretty happy with top six for VP. I think that's uh, realistic and uh, still pretty good I mean pretty good finish at a team who is going to their first TI if they were to get that I mean you gotta also keep in mind these are all very young and new players so I mean I, I maybe not this year but maybe next year uh, and maybe we're completely wrong and they'll win the whole thing <laughs> it'll be very funny when that happens <laughs> so that's gonna do it for this episode of Ages and Cheese uh as always, I am uh, I'm four beats, and I'm here with Benji. I figured I figured you would say I think you would I figured you would say something. Oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Th- yeah, you. thanks for listening. Um, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again with another another great international Dota team. <laughs>